0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Wednesday, September 2nd, 2021. Persecution can be a frightening thought. Uh, If you're a Christian and you're listening to this podcast, uh, you probably dealt with some kind of opposition to your faith in your life as we're reminded in scripture all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted but for most of you living in this podcast listening to this podcast living in the United States of America um we most of us have a sense that there is a type of persecution we have really yet to experience. Well, because we look at Christians throughout the world, we look at Christians throughout history, uh, and while you may have been passed over for a promotion at work or maybe even fired or uh, spoken down to or made fun of because you are a Christian and seeking to honor God here in the United States of America, uh, being tortured, being killed, Uh, these kind of things for, for most of us still seem to be a foreign experience and thinking about the possibility of those things can be uh, somewhat of a, a shaking, a frightening thought. Um, and maybe you look out at the world and you, you look at the way things are going and you think, well, is that something I'm, I'm going to have to experience? Or you look throughout history and you, you say, well, a lot of Christians have experienced it. How long will it be till I do? Or you look towards the future, even through prophecies and scripture, and you think of, well, what is coming? And what we're going to learn today is that if you are a Christian, you do not need to be afraid of persecution we can always trust God and we can know that there will never be persecution that you will experience as a Christian that you have to go through without the help of God. And we want to see that today as we look at Luke 21 10 through 24. And here we're again in that last week of the life of Jesus. And this is a chapter where he speaks about the destruction of Jerusalem and then also it seems to speak on some things that deal with eschatology. Now, eschatology is the study of the last things, the end times. It's the theological word we use to describe that. And also, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you've Probably learned that this is something that Christians kind of like to debate, and even something that I think a lot of Christians I know, Christians I respect, uh, disagree on. Uh, there's different perspectives on the, you know, the millennium and what, what that's going to look like, and is it literal or figurative? And then a tribulation and a rapture, and does that happen before or or after? In passages like this, you know, we can dig into and and, and really try to sort out all of those things. Uh, but whatever perspective you might hold, I think we see some things today that should encourage us. Uh, because I do think persecution is increasing and, and will increase. And that's that's what I see in, in Scripture. Things will go from bad to worse. We saw recently uh, as we were going through 1 uh, uh, and 2 Timothy, we, we, we saw these things, that things are going to get worse. And even though I would hold to a uh, pre-trib pre-millennial uh, eschatological view, I don't think that means Christians are going to be exempt from all kinds of persecution and some of the things even that we see today that things will get worse, there will be even just in the world um, disasters, wars, things things like that and we need to prepare ourselves uh, for what that would be like for us as Christians to go through. And As we come to that, we're going to see some encouraging words, I believe, from Jesus today. In Luke 21, uh, it talks about, in verse 12, But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to synagogues and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer for i will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand or contradict and so there what a great promise that is and we have you know a couple thousand years of church history now to back this up that we have seen christians bear witness and even the greek word for witness is the word where we get martyr from that we have going all the way back to the early church. Remember, Jesus is speaking to men here, people that will be martyred for their faith. And we saw that in the early church. We see that throughout history. Um, you know, even now around the world, Christians in uh, countries that are dominated by another worldview or are Muslim dominated countries, or uh, this was very common to see uh, in somewhat recent history under communist countries, Christians were tortured for Christ, killed for Christ. And in all those, we see that God was with them. God was giving them, as we see here, the words to speak in a way that they're adversaries were not able to withstand or contradict. And how many stories do we have even of those that tortured Christians eventually becoming Christians because of what they saw in these in these people? And then we see Jesus saying uh, some other things, starting in verse uh, 16 here, you will be delivered up even by parents and brothers and relatives and friends. And some of you, they will put to death. You will be hated by all for my name's sake, but not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your lives. So even there, it says not a hair of your head will perish. I don't think that guarantees the physical protection of believers because right there before that, two verses before that, it says, well, some of you are going to die, but that's where we have to remember from an eternal perspective that they can't really harm believers, We will be raised with Christ. We will be with Christ. Nothing can really destroy us. Nothing can really harm us uh, because we have the promises of eternal life with God. But we want to have this endurance. So hopefully these promises help us to endure. And I don't want to gaze into my crystal ball. Do I know what persecution will look like for you or what this will look like within your lifetime? I, I don't know for sure. And I don't think there's any way we can't know. And I think it, also if we spend all of our time imagining what it could look like or what will I do, I think we start to get into what Jesus warns us against here. Hey, we don't need to worry about all the hypotheticals. What we need to do is trust God. We need to commit to obeying God and then trust that whatever situation does arise, God is going to help us through it. So we do not need to be afraid of persecution. Now, also, there's another passage today that I think gives us a mindset that helps us to have that confidence in the face of adversity. And we're going to see that today in Psalm 108 as we finish the psalm. Now, what I want you to notice is yesterday, we, we started off uh, the podcast talking about Psalm 108 and how, you know, inspirational it was. And I will awaken the dawn uh, being what the psalmist is is crying. You know, he's up in the morning with his harp and he's playing songs. And let's go out and watch the sunrise and praise the Lord. Well, what I want you to notice is it doesn't seem that he was, you know, a retreat in the mountains in some beautiful place with all his fellow Christians when this was going on. This happened in the midst of difficulty. Today, we look at Psalm 108, verses 7 through 13. Um, But look at verses 10 and 11. It says, who will bring me to the fortified city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have you not rejected us, O God? You do not go out, O God, with our armies. So there he's He's bringing a cry to God of, God, where are you? We seem to be failing and it doesn't seem like you are with us. And that is the context for him awakening the dawn and remembering the faithfulness and steadfast love of the Lord. But even then, he doesn't end there because he knows that that's where you got to connect yesterday's reading with today's. Even when it feels like God is not there, he knows that he is. Because he has awakened the dawn with songs of the steadfast love and the faithfulness of God. So even when God doesn't feel, it doesn't feel like God is there, he knows that God's faithfulness and steadfast love are eternal. So then he turns from his despair in verse 11 to prayer in verse 12. Oh, grant us help against the foe for vain is the salvation of man to praise and confidence in verse 13 with god we shall do valiantly it is he who will tread down our foes and so there we see hopefully an attitude that we can have when when we feel like where is god and i think in a sense of persecution that would be something you would be tempted to think but i'm sure there will be other things in your life this week that get you thinking what's going on here where is god in all this But when you remember, no, what I know for sure is God is faithful. What I know is that his steadfast love is from everlasting to everlasting to those who fear him. Then I can bring my despair to God in prayer and I can be confident. With God, we shall do valiantly. And even what is it it said that will overcome the world? It's our faith. Our faith in God is what will help us overcome, whether that's in some small way through circumstances this week, or whether it's in the ultimate way of giving our lives for Christ, should it come to that? Because we have faith in Him. And obviously, faith is only as good as its object, and we learn more about the object of our faith today in Hebrews chapter 5. And today we're going to start seeing these ideas that um, Jesus is better than the earthly priests and the problem with that was the earthly priests well they were sinners too and they had to deal with their own sin Uh, but we're going to start to see the hints that well Jesus he didn't have his own sin uh, to deal with but also just like the earthly priests weren't self-appointed they were appointed by God Christ also was appointed by God and we see that in Hebrews 5 and and verses 5 and 6 we get those ideas that the father has appointed him to do what He did, but we also see that wasn't easy for Jesus in verse seven, in the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverence. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. So there he's, I think in some ways, an example to us And don't think that as a Christian, you'll go through without times of loud cries and tears. Even Jesus experienced that, but he clearly continued to trust and he clearly continued to obey. And that's where he, that is the example that we should strive for, but he is so much more than our example. He is our great high priest. He is the sacrifice that has made us whole. Verse nine, and being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation To all who obey him, being designated by God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So we see here, Christ, he is the source of our eternal salvation. Our trust is in him. Finally, we wrap up with several chapters of prophecy about foreign nations in Isaiah 16 through 20. And here we see he starts with Moab. He talks about Damascus, which would have been in Syria. He talks about Cush, which is probably more like Ethiopia, farther south than Egypt. And then he talks about Egypt and bring God's bringing judgment against all these places. But then uh, if you look towards the end of chapter 19, he's going to talk about a day when Egypt, Assyria, and Israel will be blessed and linked together. And I believe this is still something that's talking about the future. I said earlier, I would hold to a pre-millennial eschatology. I think some of these things are going to be filled in, fulfilled in the millennium. But also we see uh, Isaiah living out some object lesson in chapter 20. And what you need to understand here is he goes about naked and barefoot. Is He's warning the people in Israel and Judah as they are tempted to lean on Egypt to protect them. He's warning them, no, Egypt is going to be judged as well that they are not a worthy object of our trust. And that's a good reminder for us that our trust ultimately needs to be in God because anything else we're tempted to put our trust in at some point will fail. So may we trust in God today, whether that's small challenges in your life today or this week, or whether that comes to be the ultimate challenge of persecution and even your life being on the line, may we not be afraid, but may we trust God in the midst of it all.